This is the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of June 26, 2020, and it's the Relevant Podcast. From Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang. And before I introduce the cast, I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by the Adventist Development and Relief Agency. Without education, nothing changes. But when a child completes his or her education, a whole new world of opportunity opens up. Not only that, when you educate a child, you also change the life of a family, a community, and future generations. That's why the Adventist Development and Relief Agency launched their Every Child Everywhere in School campaign. There's no better time than now to get involved. Visit adra.org slash sign up to see how you can help. ADRA, serving humanity so all may live as God intended. Well, like I said, I'm your host, Cameron, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, author and podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist and producer, Derek Miner. What up, though? I, I think I should augment yours. Artist, producer, entrepreneur, advocate. I mean, you've got like a long list of things. <laughs> it, it, You're if, a it, very busy man. It, Derek, if you had to distill your title into one noun, what would it be? I'll give you uh, one adjective, one noun. So one adjective, acclaimed, one noun. Acclaimed artist. Uh, you know, for, <laughs> robust humanitarian. So for for me, it would be like incredibly physiqued. <laughs> I think that's an. I think that's two adjectives, but it uh, definitely is. Yeah. Either way, I'll bend the rules. <laughs> Uh, for parts of ar- speech, <laughs> I don't know, man. Argumentative rapper, dog. I don't. There you go. I like it. That works. I like that works. People. Jamie, Jamie, you you are a wordsmith. You you are a a widely read writer and author. What's your adjective and noun for myself? Um, Jesus lover, Jamie. I. Oh, that sounds like that would be in someone's Instagram <laughs> handle. You went, Cameron, you went Daughter with of the king. <laughs> in his service. Daughter of the king. Let's we go. did. One time back in the day, one time back in the day, we did a listicle on relevant which, which is an article like that's a list. It sounds yeah. dirty, but it's not. It's a list. It's an article gross. that you're meant to read while like waiting in line at the grocery store. <laughs> it sounds like you're you need like, penicillin. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's an article listicle. for people, yeah, yeah whose whose attention span online is about fifteen to, to twenty five seconds according to our data. Anyway, uh, no, but we the listicle was we had we had people send us what is the greatest email signature line they've seen from from like you know like Christian said, email signatures. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like, hey, great, I'll see you on Tuesday. Thanks for the meeting and serve. A daughter in his service, uh, you know, Jamie, or like, right. yeah. But the best one, the best one was like, you know, uh, uh, hey, I'll meet you at the at uh, where we talked about uh, under Aslan's paw, Rob. No, there was one that was it. under Aslan's paw. Like, if you're, you're conducting lying. business, if you're conducting business, <laughs> I don't care if they're in ministry or, or whatever. If you're conducting business with someone whose email signature is under Aslan's paw. It's a huge red flag. There are going to be complications in that in those business. You gotta go. One hundred percent. Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, one of our favorite 
couples and groups. Johnny Swim joins us. Abner and Amanda from Johnny Swim. Uh, they're going to talk to us about their quarantine project they've been doing on Instagram, Songs with Strangers. They're also going to tell us about their upcoming show on the new TV network being launched by Chip and Joanna Gaines, the Magnolia Channel, and maybe a little bit of an exclusive of a new and previously unannounced TV show that they're going to be debuting as well. Can I so, guess? Yeah, go ahead. Because I haven't heard the interview. Right. It's about cooking. <laughs> Why are you spoiler alert and everybody? I love it. I love it. <laughs> Listen, I follow them on Instagram and I That's see them. They're like making stuff lately, pasta huh? all the I time. Know, I'm like, I know. what are they I'm doing? This is amazing. They're in the kitchen a lot. Yeah, there's a reason. Uh, I will watch uh, them cook anything. Yep. So they're coming up later. Uh, uh, we also have a very robust hot list today. There's a lot hey, happening this week. Hey, and hey, hey, oh, hold on. There's a really good one here. <laughs> Yours, because he's his. Oh, so, no. So. Yes. no, no. Stop. <laughs> you just looked it up. Stop. Stop. Yours, because he's his. I like that. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. how she's going to sign her, end her new book. Like just at the yes. last page. <laughs> Yes, that's how she, no, that's how Wait she's going to sign him now in the oh, oh, yeah. book signings. In the books, yes. <laughs> no, I think it's going to say, under Aslan's paws, and then draw a little paw sign, you know? I, I went one time, I, I, you know, Jamie and Derek, signing autographs for, for, for fans is nothing new to you. But it's a very mm-hmm. rare thing that, that anyone asked me to sign anything. In fact... One of the only times I've done it in mass was years and years ago when we when we were giving away for, a, you know, I can't remember what it was, but we had these dumb posters. The posters? Yeah. yeah, we had posters made at Sears Portrait Studio. No, so we literally, <laughs> literally, literally, the four podcasters, it was Kara Davis, Adam Smith, Jesse and myself. We went and dressed in basically like Royal Tenenbaums type outfits and went to the Sears Portrait Studio and did family portraits. Of course, she did. Jesse had a tennis racket. I had an ascot and a pipe. <laughs> and a hat like a fedora I mean like a tweed jacket like it was oh, it yeah. was dead on it was great oh, and we yeah. printed them oh, up yeah. as posters and then we did it as a subscription promotion Jesse like if you subscribe to Relevant Magazine you would get one of these podcast yeah. posters whether you wanted it or not and we <laughs> signed it we signed <laughs> all of them I and want we, one I want one <laughs> we, made, we made those value, valueless posters even more valueless <laughs> by uh, by signing them for, for people they didn't ask us to sign and we just did nope. but i got bored halfway through and and i've and i've received enough you know things from from high profile christians over the years whether i asked for them or not <laughs> and a lot of times what it would be is their it's their autograph it's their signature but they're also with like a bible like an inspirational bible verse so sure. at first i just started r- randomly writing bible verses with every one of my signatures not even looking at i'm not even caring then i'm like you know what i'm going all in it's going to be a random i'm going to write song of Solomon and just three numbers under my name for everyone. And they're going to be three different numbers. I don't know what, I don't know who received them. I don't know if they referenced the verses, but I felt like that's a good go-to book. If you're signing autographs, just <laughs> I, one, I just kept writing, uh, never stop dreaming, never stop dreaming Cameron. That's what I wrote. So, uh, okay, but hold on. So let me finish. So we have a great robust hot list. Tyler's joining us in a few minutes. And then at the end of the show, stay tuned because we finally have all of your prank feedback. Yeah, and, and, and I was yeah. trying to, and, and Cameron challenged me to bring a couple prank items to the table. And guys, I've been doing, <laughs> I've been doing some soul searching after thinking about a lot of the pranks I pulled. I don't think I would do them again. They were pretty messed up. They were pretty mean spirited. <laughs> like they, they were some were some involved like low key vandalism. Some were just weird. Like 
we planted a Low tree in, in a stranger's we, we we planted a tree in somebody's front a stranger's front yard one night just a just tree so when they a tree so when they woke up there was a tree planted in their front yard we didn't even, we didn't even wait for morning for them to come out and just see the tree we're just like hey, what's that person gonna think when they there's a tree planted in their front yard like I like stuff but but I'm like I don't think I would do that again it's pretty weird and messed up Wait. someone someone sent me a video the other day someone I, I can't remember what platform but someone reached out and sent me a video and it is of a prank of someone in a grocery store. There's one person filming, right? Like with their cell phone camera and then they have an accomplice. The accomplice would go and take a picture. Like let's say some guy just browsing the cereal aisle. Uh, uh, aisle. So one guy uh, would, would would sneak in and take would take a Polaroid picture of the person, right? Like kind of low key. Okay. And while the person is browsing, they would, it, it was like with pickpocket skills, the guy would kind of lean in and put the, Put the, the the Polaroid into the person's pocket, right? No. So later, when that person goes home and opens their pocket, there's a Polaroid of them standing in the grocery store. It is a I would brilliant. Call the police. It is a. It is so good, and, and Wait, they will you never would call forget the that. And say what? I would be so scared. That's what we see on. That happens on. I guarantee that's happened on Law and Order SVU, and they had to call Stabler and all the people, and they had to come in, and they're like, "There is some man walking around taking pictures of girls in the grocery store, and then putting them in their thing." And this is what happens. Hey, 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 listen, listen, Derek, it's- you've seen the episode. I know you have. <laughs> hey, so so I thought I thought of what I want to pull off, and I haven't really thought about the moral consequences. Wait, this of is this. this is you as a full on adult now, currently want to pull off what yeah, you're about to tell us. And, okay, and, it's, and like it's probably on a lot. If you the more layers of the sun you need to peel back, the 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 stinkier this one gets. But I I want to stage. A rapture at a at a very conservative Bible college. One that you could like, choose. A Oklahoma college Baptist, you could go to. Bob Jones University, one of those yeah. like fundamentalist Pensacola yeah, yeah, Christian that, that, college that, that yeah. have a, a very yeah. literal. And I'm not I'm not making any commentary about. No. I'm just saying that yeah. there are schools that maintain a very literal interpretation. The schools that have separate sidewalks <laughs> for boys and girls, and they have like courtship parlors and, where and, they have and, chaperone and, time. Yeah. Oh, yeah to communicate with each other, but they can't go on dates off the, campus, the, things the, like that. The, that kind the, of a school. The type of schools that that like have a literal interpretation of the book of Revelation that basically look at the Left Behind movies as a documentary, right. as a foretelling, right. as like, a, you know what I mean? Like that, that is, so I want to go there and I want to find like a wing on the campus and find out who on this wing would be the most susceptible to believing that they've been left behind. And I would conspire with all the other people on the floor and I would tell them like, Listen, as an older Christian, I think the best. This is basically a Christian scared straight here. That person needs a wake up call in their lifestyle. They were walking on the girl's side of the sidewalk the other day. They need a wake up call here. I saw him with his shirt untucked in the cafeteria. He's on a he's on a slippery slope, slippery. right into right into, Satan, right into Satan's clutches. You know, right. he 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 watched a, a TVMA series I heard on Netflix. He needs a wake up call. Okay, yeah. I heard he dabbled in Game of Thrones, the books. And so if there's anything we can do to save this young soul, we will stage a rapture. And I just I just feel like it would it would give me a lot of satisfaction at this point in my life to, to see someone think that they've actually been left behind. Oh, my gosh. You have to you bring Kirk Cameron in, too. Black. 
Damn. <laughs> yeah. as, as, as long as you made Jesus black, that'll set that off the off hey, the wait, 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 hey, in, your version, in your version of the of the stage rapture, the the man Jesus appears and then everybody vanishes. He's the one. Oh, who, yeah. He's he's the it one who's the, the, that Jesus is the one in this scenario who plays the Ashton Kutcher role. Okay. That comes out. Thought, my, <laughs> you got pumped. You come out, out, guys. Come on out. I'm Jesse, not right, I Jesus. I was envisioning just a whole bunch of like clothes left around the dorms, empty cars that were left on in the park. Like I thought you were just meaning everybody would vanish. Everybody, listen. Everybody vanishes. Pile of clothes everywhere, and then I come in with a wig yes. wrapped in glow sticks. That's literally what happens. And, and then you tell and you them. you tell everyone else you got left behind. You, you, then you, at the, the final, it's like, you know what? I'm just kidding. I'm not actually Jesus. I'm argumentative rapper Derek Minor. Nice to meet you. Come on out, gang. Now, let me ask you this. You burning those Harry Potter books you got in your dorm? Because you what, else do I need, what else do I need to do to get your attention? Oh, man. All right. Moving the show along. It is time for our very own Tyler Huckabee to join us. He's our senior editor at Relevant and overseeing all of our content that we're putting out every day, covering the intersection of faith and culture. We normally play a jingle and have the hot list and entertainment, all that kind of stuff. This isn't the time. There's a lot going on this week, and Tyler's here to tell us about it. Welcome, Tyler. Hey, everybody. Hey, so what's going on? Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) We've just been a slow news couple weeks here, guys. Yeah, slow news. I had to to really dig. I was... I was crawling up and down FARC looking for some good stories to bring. <laughs> the, uh, the, there's, there is a lot to talk about today. And the first thing uh, that I want to talk about is a little bit of a, it, it's sort of a thorny, it's a little bit of a complicated issue. It's going to take some nuance, uh, which is why I'm bringing it to you guys, because there was a lot that was being said about this yesterday that I think was uh, was sort of incorrect or, or misinformed. And hopefully we can try to set the record a little bit straight here. The, did you guys see this conversation about Jesus statues taking place over the week? The, the statues of Jesus? Oh, that's ringing a bell. Conservative uh, Christians were saying they're taking down all the statues. Next, they're going to come after Jesus. And then actually some some uh, some people were advocating for taking down representations of white Jesus, which obviously is ethnically incorrect. So it's so. Twitter was kind of blowing up earlier this week about that, all this. Yeah, that's sort of the so let, let's break this down a little bit because it does it, it did it happened quickly and it was sort of a it was a, a twisty tale and uh, obviously we've been talking the last couple of weeks about the movement to pull down uh, Confederate monuments the Confederate flag was banned right. NASCAR there's been sort of this reckoning with representations of the Confederacy of slave owners in culture this has led to some uh, we'll call some we'll say some bedwetting on the part of certain pundits who are warning this is a slippery slope. If you start pulling down Confederate statues, uh, where do you stop? And this includes a guy by the name of Matt Schlapp. He's a pundit. He is a he's a prominent figure at CPAC. And he took to Twitter to say statues of Jesus are next. It won't end. Pray for the USA. Um, so right there, it's not even that, uh, it's not a super clever sleight of hand that's being pulled here. Like nobody's, nobody's, uh, Jesus was not a Confederate soldier. Uh, Jesus did not own slaves. What? There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no reason that Jesus, that the statue, that this movement would like, what's, the, what sort of narrative is, are we, is we putting together here that would involve statues of Jesus as part of the, as part of this like statue removal thing. But this, uh, this point was taken up by Sean King. 
Now, Sean King is an activist. Uh, he is a writer. He has become sort of notorious for some, we'll say, some ill-advised business deals. Uh, he's done and he a lot has of some good- pretty cool nicknames, too. Talcum X. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Talcum X. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Martin Luther Cream. Martin Luther Cream. No. Yeah. Oh. Pretty cool oh. nicknames. I, hey, look. My, my, guy, my guy Dave Dennis kills him, man. He's easy. <laughs> Sean, Sean's sort of an interesting character. You've probably seen him around. He's actually done, He he. It, in, in fairness to him, in his defense, he has done a lot to raise the profile of certain acts of police injustice. That's Absolutely. been part of his legacy. Uh, several of the stories in the last two months would not have broken had he not advocated for them. So while he's got a lot of uh, gray areas around the margins, we can right. say he really actually has moved it. I mean, he was the first one to say the name Brianna Taylor. Um, uh, Ahmaud Arbery was him. He broke Ahmaud Arbery. Even back all the way with with people like Trayvon, Tamir Rice. Like he's 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 definitely been on this for a long time. But that has also come with some sort of uh, some business deals, some financial things. He's found himself in hot water repeatedly throughout the course of all this. So uh, it's just a, he's a little bit complicated. That's a little bit beyond the purview of this particular story. But he did say, he responded to this and said, yes, I think the statues of the white European they claim is Jesus should come down. They're a form of white supremacy, always have been. And the Bible and the family of Jesus wanted to hide and blend in. Guess where they went? Egypt, not Denmark. Tear them down. And so this got, uh, this got picked up by a lot of more bedwetters uh, people who are like, see, now they just like we predicted. Now we told you. Now they're coming for statues of Jesus, just like they said, which obviously isn't really what Sean King meant. He was talking about a very specific subset of statues of Jesus that have, in fairness, uh, done a lot of harm over the years and that have been used as a tool of, of colonialism, of oppression, of a way to, as a way to subjugate uh, people spiritually as well as physically. So I think there is a, a healthy conversation or an important conversation to be had about these depictions of Jesus we have that are that are really harmful and that present Jesus, uh, the idea of white Christianity as normative compared to other depictions of Jesus, including the actual one, which was that he was a Middle Eastern man. Uh, now, whether or not that's really part of the Confederate, whether or not you can say that is a, a subject that we need to involve in the current debate around the Confederacy, that's a whole nother issue that feels like a very, uh, it feels like a very separate issue to me, like two different conversations, both important, not related. But you can say, if you look back at the white, a lot of the white, white supremacy movement in the South, especially, they hid behind the cross. I mean, they used sure. their religion as their rationale for racism and so like there is a version of a distorted version of christianity that should be dismantled not a ku klux klan says that they are not a hate group they are a christian organization (laughs) Mm -hmm. like i mean that's a prime example of people who have gentrified jesus (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean i don't know what else to say derek what do you think about this this debate though about the depictions of Jesus, I've always thought that the blue-eyed, fair-skinned portrait from the Renaissance era felt completely weird to me. I mean, I just common sense, ethnically, a brown-skinned Middle Eastern man is probably what Jesus looked like. But, but you know, like, what do you think about this this debate that's going on? 
Uh, I'm kind of indifferent on it. I'm going to keep it honest. Like, I, I feel like, obviously, we should all know this. Anyone that studied history should know what Jesus would probably look like. And he probably did not look like Patrick Swayze. We just know that. Right. But but um, I guess at the end of the day, man, people are going to do what they're going to do. I, I, I don't look at I don't see surfer Jesus and feel like, oh, man, I'm like, man, why would they make him look like Patrick Swayze? It's frustrating in that sense, but it's not. Hey, this guy enslaved 400 people and right. fought like, you know, he's not Robert E. Lee. You know right. what I mean? Like, so right. I guess yeah. that that's that's my thing. It's like if we're going to put our energy on something, let's just put it on the, you know, let's just put it on the Confederate soldiers. But I think the whole this whole thing is a, a, something to try to delegitimize the protesters. It's like they're just some wild, savage monsters who want to tear down everything that America has to offer and communism, and they just want to tear Jesus down. Like, I just literally saw a guy say that this is going to start a war, tearing down Jesus. I'm like, well, Sean King never said protesters go start vandalizing churches because that's the that's the narrative now is that mm. churches are going to be vandalized and people are going to start doing these things and it's like he never said that like it's just he just said hey while you're tearing those those uh while we're tearing down confederate monuments let's tear down the fake interpretation of jesus and it's like in my mind i'm like well if the pastors know hopefully pastors are smart enough and have read the bible enough to know that jesus would have been a a middle eastern north african man so surely you'd say hey i don't want this fake version of jesus in my church but if you like patrick spicy jesus bro like i i ain't mad at you at all do you think well i saw i i can't take her i think i saw it on reddit or Somebody replying to one of these tweets and was like, hey, you know, (laughs) but but it was something along the lines of, hey, you know who probably isn't that cool with statues of Jesus? Jesus. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I missed the part. I missed the part where it said to spend time, money and resources on large ornamental uh, statues of our interpretation of his appearance. Where is that in the Bible again? Oh, it's right next to the line where he says, hey, make sure you put my name on all your money. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm pretty sure he's more concerned about other things. And actually, you know, there is a biblical precedent for God not wanting uh physical representations of him to be something that it, when they're done they are done under his command like something like the ark of the covenant which had right. you know actual spiritual purposes or like the, you know Solomon's temple or something that have you know a spiritual dynamic in addition to like an ornamental one right but anytime there's an ornamental representation of a deity in the bible be that a deity that god's people have have created in the image of God like the Israelites created a bronze calf because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, in their mind, God was all about wealth and fertility, right? So mm-hmm. a bronze calf. And when when they elevate that image of God, God was pretty mad. You, you know what I mean? And, and there were real consequences for it. And so, you know, maybe we don't all, we, we still worship wealth in this country. We still put his name on our money, but we don't necessarily, ha- it's not God and fertility anymore. It's, it's money and fame. So what we've right. done is we've put his name on our money because we believe it will give us wealth and we created statues of him looking like a movie star and made his appearance very famous and his teachings ignored because those are the two idols that we have is is fame and money sorry this is a rant but but I, but I do think 
who cares? Like Jesus w- w- is like, is this what you guys are arguing over, man? Like last right. time I checked, there's the, the, poverty is still an issue here. You know, like there are bigger fish to fry. You a, know? a lot of the black Christian leaders that I've been following ha- have kind of just said like, Hey, this is a, dis- this, this call to action, this advocation isn't distraction from the issues we need to be focusing on. You know what I mean? Like this isn't the time, you know, it's kind of what I'm hearing. I'm, I'm not, you know, an African American, so I don't know, you know, but like, I, I kind of see that line of thinking that it's like, why why are we distracted? Y'all said African Americans aren't screaming. Yeah. Tear down white Jesus. Like you, I I haven't seen the tear down white Jesus movement from out of the African American community. But what I have seen as a response to people saying, Hey, they're going to tear down uh, our pictures of Jesus. And then black people like, well, he wasn't white in the first place. So, yeah, tear it down, too. Like, it's it's kind of more that as opposed to, and when we're done with Robert E. Lee, we're coming for a chance. Like, you just don't really see that. You know what I mean? There is, like, a lot of historical precedent for people doing uh, really beautiful artistic depictions of Jesus in their own culture. For, sure. uh, you, you see that. You see that in China. You see that mm-hmm. in Zimbabwe. Uh, you see it in Japan. You see it among indigenous people here in America. And yep. I think that there is like artistic value to doing that. There is obviously a difference with white Jesus where it stopped being an artistic creative interpretation and became an actual tool of conquest. And so there would need to be a little, I think, some contextualization around that period, uh, which is is ongoing part of the of church history but but i don't think that it's necessarily bad to retell the story of jesus in a way that's more personal for your co- as long as there's an understanding that this is a this there's like creative license being used here which mm. most cultures understand and that has not always been very well communicated in europe and in america yeah. ja- jamie i'm interested you know you're you live in austin you're you're a lifelong texan and i guess this applies for a lot of places I think but you, I do you have f- to use an adjective and a noun covid hotbed austin <laughs> 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 coming from the person in florida yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I and I feel like this applies to a lot. Maybe this is just uh, conjecture. But like, you know, when I think of Texas, I do think of things like remember the Alamo and like Sam Houston. And, and, and if you visit, uh, you know, Austin, you know, there are these very striking symbols of even the, like the bell tower is like this kind of beacon of like education. And they're right there in Austin. Uh, you know, what's what's your take on kind of Christians and and statues of Christ? Well, I, I thought it was interesting when Derek, when even Cameron said the same thing, y'all both said, you know, if anyone is like educated and reads the Bible, they would know that Jesus was not white. And I just find a little bit of pushback with that because that was never taught to me growing up wow. in church. Like I, I had to come to that realization and not because I never stopped and thought about it because I'm white and it didn't ever have to bother me. You know what I'm saying? And so that would fall under that whole thing of, I had the privilege of not having to question whether the material that I got for VBS looked like Jesus or not. Does that make Um, sense? Yeah. Yeah, Well, I would, I would, and I I wouldn't say it was, it was your fault. I would say it's your pastor's fault. Like if your pastor's not finding cultural context in the scriptures, he shouldn't be teaching. That's my personal perspective. And and I agree with that a hundred percent. My point in saying that is there are a lot of people, 
people that they're hearing this conversation and going, oh, wow, I've never even thought that Jesus might not look like the way I've seen him represented. Mm-hmm. And it's because they're white and they don't have to, they never have to think about the context because he just looks like they look. Mm-hmm. And so apart this conversation about like, you know, go tear down all the, all the statues of Jesus. I agree that I think that we have some, some, I want to be careful with my words here, not bigger issues, but we have like a lot of good things happening right now mm-hmm. that I would hate to see halted because right. it kind of got off track a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Do yeah, I think that we need it. a more, uh, a better representation of Jesus within our churches? 100%. Yes. Um, but I think right now I'm enjoying the conversation I'm seeing about taking down statues that represent so much hatred in our country that it feels like this could be a little like detour and then it would give you know, some people another reason to be angry, like, oh, now, like you said, next thing we know, they're coming and burning down our churches. And that's just not an accurate statement either. The, uh, we're in an interesting moment in the movement in, in that it, it, Tyler and I talk about this when we're planning editorial and talking to our contributors and stuff at Relevant. It's like, <laughs> we're at a moment where the last month or six weeks, two months has been a very visceral reaction to very blatant injustice, right? And Mm. voices are being heard and change is starting to happen. And A, we're covering that and we're giving Mm. platform to that. That's important. There's also a tension point right now where we're pivoting toward long-term. Like, what are we going to be talking about long-term? Not just advocating Mm -hmm. for immediate short-term changes, but what are we as a society and as a church what do we want to look like a year, five years, 10 years from now? Like, where are we going? Right. And so let's start advocating for that as well. So to me, there's like this immediate conversation. And also let's lift up our eyes and look at the horizon and talk about the big picture. So let's talk about the Jesus thing. So Jamie, you're talking about like your church never showed you a non-white Jesus. So, okay, church, let's acknowledge that ethnic you know, uh, accuracy is actually an important part of teaching our faith to ourselves and our next generation, all that stuff. And let's create resources that show an ethnically accurate Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like that mm-hmm. is part of the long-term solution for the church, but that is not mm-hmm. the urgent and immediate need right now. Mm-hmm. It's right. a bo- mm-hmm. but it is a both end. It's not an either or in my mind. Mm-hmm. So, and I've seen a lot of change since, I yeah. mean, I'm 41. And so grew up in the church, you know, a lot of 41. years ago, I know, right? Uh, but I've seen a, all that to say, I've seen a lot of, I have seen change um, in some publications that are getting put out, like even with kids book material, you know, like where they portray Jesus yep. as having brown skin instead of white skin. And right. I think mm-hmm. the reason this is so difficult is because there are a lot of people in our country that would look and say like, America is God's country. Like we are his people. He will protect us. We are the chosen people of the Lord, which is like, and we're founded on Christian principles and our fourth, all those things and all of that together Meanwhile, with white the church Jesus. Is thriving in the far East and in Africa and mm-hmm. in, in Latin right. America and not in America. It's declining. Yes. And they're not having these conversations yeah. around yeah. the world. If you visit churches around the world, you know what they're having conversations about? How do I stay alive today? Yeah. Because right. I've chosen to follow Jesus. Yes, right. You will be persecuted. You're not well, exactly. Be, yeah, I mean, exactly. And here in America, we're like, oh my gosh, someone's making me wear a mask or I can't believe this or they want to take out Robert E. League. Do you know how long our school's been named that? That's the arguments that are happening here. And they're ludicrous when you think about what the church is dealing with around the world. The, the, yeah. and the, the other okay. aspect too, <clears throat> I feel like <clears throat> is like, excuse me, is I feel like these are conversations that are 
interesting, not just, uh, you know, uh, you know, in the context of current social events, but are just interesting thought exercises and intellectual exercises for Christians to think about. But I think there, a real problem we have in the kind of the current era of technology is the sort of emotional equivalency that is assigned to these type of issues. So like when you see the passion of someone who is fighting for racial injustice and actual tangible changes, all of a sudden someone who is like a, you know, maybe in this case, a conservative Christian who is a, you you know, the, the idea of taking down their Jesus statue rubs in the wrong way. They feel like they have to match the emotional intensity mm-hmm. of someone who's protesting for real mm-hmm. change. And yeah. so all of a sudden, instead of there being any kind of nuance to these discussions, instead of, hey, the, the, the emotion that should be cranked up to 10 on some of these social issues and we should get heated and there should be passion and there should be protest for all of a sudden everyone's like, well, for my pet issue, I have to match that degree of emotion and, and all that and that but that's intellectually dishonest because mm-hmm. you know for for someone who's f- fighting systemic injustice that just watched a person you know a, a, a black man an unarmed black man <clears throat> be smothered to death for eight minutes on the internet for them to think I have to match the same outrage that I have for that because you know they're going to tear my Jesus statue down you know someone talked about tearing my Jesus statue it it, it, it totally conflates the the issues to the same level of, of outrage. And that's not fair to the issues that are actually outrageous. And it's yeah. what happens when we demonize each other, right? So like what I see is now this level of dehumanization of of each side. So like I saw Donald Trump, I, I don't know why in the world I responded under that man's tweet. I got the most <laughs> weirdest things in the world. It's but a rookie were, mistake. It's a it, rookie was, mistake. it was a rookie <laughs> don't, mistake. Don't, don't do that. For sure. <laughs> but I saw him tweet this video that this guy tweeted uh, about. He said, why aren't there any protests? And it was this black man beating this white guy down. And it's like he tried to, he slipped Slick tried to make it seem like a protester was beating a white guy down in a Macy's. And it's like, that's not a protester. That guy's not protesting anything inside of a Macy's. But what's happening is, is now we've got this polarized, dehumanizing thing where it's like, let me find the most extreme thing and say, this is, let me find my point with that. So I think we're just in this hot this hot time and it has to calm down and we have to get to a point where we're saying okay let me hear you out and let's talk and let's meet in the middle as opposed to going further and further apart it would help if our leader commander-in-chief was trying to do that but it just makes it just worse and worse the more that you drive a wedge between people uh, we've got a uh, sort of a related, this is like, a, I'd say, a follow-up to a story we did last week that is related to the story we just talked about here. And it's about uh, Tina Fey over at 30 Rock. Um, so, like we said, 30 Rock is gearing up for an, a one-episode return in July that will coincide with the entire series uh, launch on Peacock, which will be their new streaming service. But not every episode is going to be included. Tina Fey sent a note to streaming platforms apologizing for multiple instances of blackface that appeared on 30 Rock, two of which involved uh, series regular Jane Krakowski's character, Jenna. Uh, she wrote an apology note. 
She said, as we strive to do the work and do better in regards to race in America, we believe that these episodes featuring actors in race changing makeup are best taken out of circulation. I understand now that intent is not a free pass for white people to use these images. I apologize for pain they have caused. Going forward, no comedy loving kid needs to stumble on those tropes and be stung by their ugliness. I thank NBC for honoring this request. Um, when Tyler told me you wanted to bring this, there was two things, two two thoughts I had. Number one, we we aren't out. Relevant isn't out there to cover all the negative news. Like if somebody has a scandal or something like that, we don't cover all of it, right? But we do have a policy that if we have given our platform to somebody and something comes out about them that would maybe change your perspective of their message or their story. We owe it to our readers to show show both, right? So we're not trying to like tear down, put people on pedestals, and then tear them down. But sometimes it's necessary. Last week on the show, I was advocating, Derek, you got to watch Thirty Rock. And then this week, they're like, "Oh, we need to pull four episodes." And I thought it was I thought it was important that we tell our podcast listeners yeah. the full story. Okay, number yeah. one, and number yeah. two, I thought her point. I thought there was a part of her statement that was really important. If I, I've seen those episodes and I remember, I remember them now that you know once they came and hit the news, I remembered seeing them. What they were trying to do was show the farce and ludicrousness of those tropes. They were not mm. advocating for blackface. They were trying to show how offensive this was almost using like an extreme you, example you, you, to, you're supposed to laugh to at how yeah. horrible this right, is. Right. Yeah. right? You yeah. know what I'm saying? But I thought it was important what she said as a white person, it doesn't matter what our intent was. Right. And I think that's what our culture is learning right now. And yeah. I think, and I'm, pr- and I'm proud of them for stepping up and saying, you know what? actually even though our intent was one thing it's not okay and and so like i i I, good for them for pulling it you know so you know anyway that's why we why we wanted to bring that update because literally last week we were saying yay 30 rock you know now i'm gonna go watch 30 rock (laughs) (laughs) well you ain't gonna see those four episodes (laughs) i think that's i think that's wise though i think it's i think it's better safe than sorry like in these times right now are just i think that's wise i mean considering people and in that way for sure yeah, yeah I think what's interesting that Tina Fey did here that that somebody's like say Jimmy Kimmel uh, did not do this week was she brought it up first. She didn't mm. wait for the internet to to cancel her and say what yeah. about these and it would have happened probably. Yeah. But she and this is a, I think a good lesson for white people who who maybe are looking back and like ooh I hope those photos never pop up like like take initiative you know be the one to to apologize and admit wrongdoing and, and admit yeah. that you were wrong yeah. and, and yeah. That's, that, yeah. don't that way you're you're at least showing some ownership for what happened instead of just trying to save face. Yeah. Um, this la- this uh, this uh, this last thing uh, is is a little interesting and it's not something I really would have expected but it's a study that came up uh, from our friend Ryan Burge uh, he's a professor who's made it his goal to really study Christianity in America uh, and publishes a lot of really helpful I recommend following him on Twitter a lot of really helpful data that he puts together and uh, he found the, a few things about how uh, white Christians are reacting to the COVID-19 pandemic and are, are getting a, are calming down a lot faster than the public at large. 
than COVID-19. So according to his analysis of a Data for Progress survey, white evangelicals under 35 years old, so younger white evangelicals, are 13% less likely to wear a mask in public than those under 35 in the general population. Uh, 58% of white evangelicals under 35 say they wear a mask compared to 71%, uh, 72%, I'm sorry, of their peers. Um, and that's changed. Back in April, white evangelicals had about the same level of concern about COVID-19 in, as the population in general did. It was about the same. But mm. over time, over the past few months, white evangelicals have gotten more comfortable faster with stopping, with ceasing to observe social distancing and mask wearing guidelines than most people have. There's been a little bit of a decline across the board, but white evangelicals are definitely driving it to a degree that the general population is. Uh, and that's especially interesting because, as I'm sure most of us know, uh, this is not COVID-19 is not continuing to go down in most parts of the country. We're Tyler, seeing you, it you, second you, way. You're missing something here. I saw a video on Twitter that mm -hmm. informed me that evangelical churches have special ion technology yeah. oh that zaps coronavirus <laughs> from the air and makes it safe for the president to come, Tyler. It makes it safe for the president. It's air ionization. It's science. They invented it. Christians invented it. No wonder they were, we don't need the mask. We have, we have magic machines, dude. If you don't know what Jesse's talking about, <laughs> this was an item that Tyler was going to bring, but it got bumped. But uh, earlier Earlier in the week, uh, <laughs> President Trump had a rally in, in, in Arizona at a megachurch. It was a 3,000 seat megachurch. And the pastor, in, a, in an attempt to assure everybody was safe to come to the Trump rally at their church, did a video on the internet talking about how a member of the church had invented a technology for their AC filtering system that would kill 99.9% of the COVID virus in 10 minutes. So please come to the Trump rally because our church members have, have cured COVID who essentially. Needs, who needs so. mask? Who needs mask? We have a machine. And if you are asking for details, too bad, so sad, oh, because man. it is patented. Oh, man. This is sharper image level tech we're talking okay? <laughs> But it's only at their church. Only at their church. For now. Only at their church. For now. We'll see. For now. If your church has a statue of Jesus that looks like Patrick Swayze, then <laughs> they're, they're, likely, probably they're, likely, they're likely have already ordered one of these yeah, as well. Yeah. So. It might just turn up at every rally that President Trump goes to. They might have this new AC filter system. I thought it was amazing that a, a member of their church had yeah. invented a cure for COVID what, for their what, AC uh, system. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Won't he do it? Won't he do it? No. Won't he do it? Couldn't you combine, you could combine the white Jesus statue you can combine the white Jesus statue with the ionization things, so like the eyes light up, maybe. Or the... <laughs> and he, 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 he's just zappy. It's like a bug zapper. You see, like, <laughs> oh yeah, see that? And he just got some COVID right out of there. Just zapped it up. <laughs> just have lasers zapping him out of the air. That's amazing, yo. <laughs> Okay, well, stay tuned. I'm next. Johnny Swim joins us. So let's burn the bridges down. Let's burn the bridges down. Light them up, no turning around. No escape through the ashes now. Let's burn the bridges down. Let's burn the bridges down. Light them up, no turning around. No escape through the ashes now. Let's burn the bridges down. You're listening to our next guest, Johnny Swim. 
with the song Bridges. Well, today's episode is also brought to you by the all-new podcast on the Relevant Podcast Network, the American Awakening Podcast. We are better together, made for purpose, meaning, and significance in community as friends, not enemies. With a diverse crew of contributors, the American Awakening Podcast leans into this challenging American moment with life, light, and music. We know these are hard times, but faith, hope, and love can never be extinguished. Marissa Prince, John Kingston, Calvin Lee, Jefferson Bethke, Joel Searby, Dan Hasseltine, and guests explore the headlines through the lens of faith, offering unique perspectives on what's really happening in God's kingdom. Join us in slaying the giants of death, despair, and division, and be part of a new American Awakening. The American Awakening podcast comes out every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Man, they're ambitious. And is available wherever you get your podcasts. Go check it out. American Awakening Podcast. Well, our guest this week graced the cover of Relevant Magazine a couple years ago. Johnny Swim. They're an amazing folk soul pop duo made up of husband and wife Amanda Sudano and Abner Ramirez. They've been creating music since 2005. And you probably know them for their hit single Home, which happens to be the theme song to the HGTV show Fixer Upper, which I still watch. Most recently, during quarantine, they've been doing a special project called Songs with Strangers. And uh, Tyler sat down with them to talk about that and much more. Here is our conversation with Johnny Swim. Of all the different, uh, let's say, quarantine projects that I've heard people picked up, maybe no, nothing has been quite as interesting as uh, as the one that you all tried to do, and I think we're very successful at, with uh, Songs with Strangers. So tell us about it. Uh, Songs with Strangers. What if we got on Instagram Live and selected a person completely at random, wrote a song with them, and recorded that song and released it that night? Maybe impossible. I don't know. But let's give this thing a shot. So I came out to a man. I was like, yo, I'm really stoked. What if we did this thing? What if we wrote with somebody who spent a day and we just record what we can? We do what we can. And we invite the viewer into the entire experience. So for us, it was, we were supposed to be playing every night in front of 12,000 people for months. We're still supposed to be on tour now. Yeah. And those shows all got canceled or postponed to next year. And so there's this energy of being on the road and being in front of people and the risk. And I think the way we, we approach performing, you know, we don't do a lot of things. We call it on rails where everything's just plugged into the program and you're just going to sing it the same way every night, same songs every night. Literally like, only when we have to be off on and off stage at the exact time, which like for the tour we were on, we, you know, there's an exact time you have to be on and exact time you have to be off. And there's like maybe a couple seconds, you know, but, but the way we like to perform is to just be like, let's see what happens. Yeah. You know? If it's not, her dad would always say her dad was a songwriter, is a songwriter, performer, brilliant, been doing it for a long time. He reminds us often, not often, he used to, that he had his first number one hit when he was 19. Bruce, he would tell us, uh, if it's not alive, it's not live. And so there's this whole energy that you pour out night after night, live on stage. We go out into the crowd, which you can't do, and I don't know if we'll be able to ever do again. Go sing out in the crowd and go like do all this stuff. There's all these risks and the reward of whether they applaud or they don't 
I can spot the three people not paying attention easily. And sometimes I'll just perform just for that old guy right there. Just for you, sir. Let me win you. And I'll talk to him. Literally. They'll be like, sir, yeah, you. No, not you. You. Yeah, let's talk. There's, so there's this whole interaction and sense of being alive that you lose for a performer, for everybody. Everybody loses it when you're quarantined. And so it was a, an opportunity for us to feel that sense of alive music again. So you kind of started this as a lark, right? You didn't think maybe there'd be, um, it wouldn't end up being that big of a deal. It was a complete shock where it ended up going. We started thinking we'd write little ditties. And the first person we talked to, Stanitsky, Maddie Stanitsky from Atlanta. Yeah. Maddie Stanitsky from Atlanta dating a guy named Christian who at the time lived in San Antonio, San Antonio, Texas. And she just, Hey, how you doing? Just quarantining this, you know, stay at home orders. Are there stay at home orders? Yeah. You know, it's been really tough. Well, why has it been tough? Boom. My fiance lives in San Antonio. We were going to move to California. I teach, uh, Maddie was telling us, I teach specialized students here in Georgia. So I didn't want to leave them until the last possible moment. I wanted to make sure I saw it through this school year, but now I'm not in the class with them. It's a hard time to connect. My fiance was moving. And they're not fiancés yet. Her, they are now in oh, real life. Now they are for life. My boyfriend, we were going to meet in LA. It was because of the song. Now they're engaged. We were going to meet in California and, you know, plan the rest of our lives. He is military. He had moved off base, but couldn't fly into California because they had closed down. So he's stuck in a hotel room for the indefinite, like indefinitely in San Antonio, can't get to California. I can't get to him. He can't get to me. All this stuff is in boxes. And all we can do is wait. And the song took life with that. I wouldn't say it took flight. It wasn't just, sometimes you sit here, a man and I have written countless songs together and we'll sit. And as humans, there's all kinds of inspiration that happens. Stories you hear, your own life, the stories that evolve and and are created through, through your own experience. And sometimes you sit to write and it's like, all right, no, we got an album to make. What are, what are we going to write about? And you spend a lot of time trying to feel something. And we realized like this, writing with Maddie that day, we just skipped to like third base in songwriting because we had all the, all the emotion we wanted was there. We both were on the same page. It had language to it already. And this song just kind of came tumbling out of us. don't know there's nothing sure but you And that makes it all that we can do is wait. Is wait. What I love about this is how uh, uh, this isn't really something that you could have done without quarantine. You know, this is something you really needed a... Uh, uh, a lockdown to do the wow factor for me of what I expected from songs and strangers to what we got doesn't just include the songs, all our super talented friends that donated their time to be a part of it. It includes what happened in me being a part of it. Our journeys are completely bespoke to us. You can't compare yours to someone else's because that's completely theirs and yours is completely yours. And that thought was just so driven home even more doing songs and strangers because none of these songs would exist without the people we wrote them with. Could we have written a song that day? Yes. Would we have written those songs? Absolutely not. There's a 0% chance that we write Still Wonderful if it's not with Rebecca Gore. There's a 0% chance we write Wait without Maddie Stanitsky. There's a 0% chance of all those things. And it really got me so fired up with the importance of each of us. We are 
the singular expression of God himself on this planet. We are a singular expression of God himself on this planet. He won't, he don't do it again. He won't be like, all right, that was a cool Abner in 2020. We need to do another one. It's 3,219. Let's get another Abner in there. See if he can do it better. There's just not, there's us. We're all we have of us and how special and unique this walk is, this life is. I'm better because of the strangers I met on Instagram Live. talk a little bit about the new TV show you've got coming out. Can we talk about that? We are super excited about it. It basically followed us on the road for um, six shows, I Real guess. quick. So uh, jo- Chip and Joanna Gaines of Fixer Upper Fame have started their own network called Magnolia right. Network. It's taking the place of the DIY network um, coming in 2021. And we were the first show that ever went into production. We were the first show they signed, the first show that went into production for uh, the new Magnolia Network, as you were saying. Yeah, so they basically followed us on tour. um, Strangely enough, I found out right before we shot the very first part. So they they started with just rehearsals before tour, getting capturing some rehearsals. And then they came to like one of the stops in that tour and they followed us, you know, later on in the summer. Um, But I found out I was pregnant with our third right before we started filming. So it added a whole other twist to the season because I was not planning on getting pregnant, but I was actually trying hard not to get pregnant. So, uh, yeah, so it kind of follows us on the road um, with me being pregnant and with us having two kids um, chasing us around and kind of the different, um, the kind of the different ways that tour takes shape and the kind of different shows that we have, you know, it goes from like one of our shows, like, you know, in a big, room in Dallas to a festival to a tiny room, you know, in East Hampton that we play acoustically just because we like to play shows at that venue. So it kind of follows us around quite a bit. We get hit by a hurricane at some point or almost get hit by a hurricane. You know, lots of fun stuff happens. We visit his hometown. Um, but it's, it's, uh, I think it's a good like little bite-sized taste of what it is like to schlep yourself and your family and your best friends um, on the road and work. The TV show is our answer to the question we get all the time. How do you balance personal life and work life when you do it all together all at the same time? And you say, you don't. You don't. You really don't. And people don't understand that unless they see it. And so this TV show is our opportunity to show you what we mean. What else do you got in the works? Anything else going on right now? The ink ain't dry on this one yet, but I'm going to tell you anyway because I have not signed an NDA. Uh, we also have a second TV show coming out on the Magnolia Network called Bake It Till You Make It. It is, I don't know if you've seen on Instagram, we've been posting a lot of cooking stuff, especially me baking. And it is a show about an amateur baker choosing to try to make difficult things in the kitchen and trying and trying and trying until he either succeeds or gives up. And that's- All while his wife says, please clean that up. Yeah. <laughs> so it's me in the kitchen trying to make a I need to make dinner. Okay, I, I think I'm catching the vision. I've, I've lived this experience a couple of times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just hope yeah. a bit sorry. Oh, just a little bit sorry. Yeah, I just hope you're a little bit sorry.
was Johnny Swim. Make sure to check out their quarantine project, Songs with Strangers, wherever you get your music. You're so shook when get on fire. You're listening to Transviolet. The song is Undo. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? Hey, first, can I pitch you guys my Shark Tank idea? Oh, yes. Of course. See if this will get me in the tank, get cubes on board. <laughs> Here's it. <laughs> Here's the idea, because I told you guys I have trouble letting my wry sense of humor communicate accurately in face-to-face conversations because people can't read my mouth. You yeah, know, because I do most of my, yeah, yeah. I do, I do most mask, of yeah. my, uh, you know, communication, my punchlines through expressions. Right. So they're called mood mask, right? And you keep like six on you at a time. I have angry face. I have smiley face. I have bemused. I have frowny and sad. And then I have standard. They're masks, which have lips. In different expressions on the outside, and you put them on to, them? to reflect. But you can't yes. switch them in the middle of a conversation. That's you how say people get COVID. I gotta get a no. mask out. No. no, what you need is a mood mask that is like a mood ring and will change oh, color the, the or tech, something will display listen, differently listen, automatically. We just, we just don't have the technology. So, connections on Shark Tank. Yeah, you're like, you're like, hey, you can call my title, wait for it, and then Derek, you put on the mask, it's a no, smile, it too long. argumentative rapper, and it's like, oh, I see what you yeah. did, Derek, you got the <laughs> smile perfectly, you guys aren't in for mood mask? No, no. I'm not funding that. N- not six of them, no. Too not if you have to keep six masks in your pocket. I've, you gotta innovate, I've, you gotta come up with the technology where the fabric, almost like the... Like the hyper color shirts from the '90s, where like you go out in the sun, they would change I don't color. Have time. I don't you gotta, have time. You got to do market's that with hot. the mask fabric. Market's you know hot who right you need now. to call, Jesse? Who's you up? need to call that church member in Arizona. I bet they can come up with a mask. I am like willing. This. I am willing to offer him five percent of my company <laughs> they, for bro, eight and a half hundred thousand How come there's not a semi-translucent fabric that could filter? I think you know it's where you can kind of still see the the mouth fog factor. Fog factor. You know. The worst part of having glasses is the fog factor. I'll tell yeah. you that. Uh, there is well, no mask made that well, prevents I just, glasses fog. It I is just want the to say worst. Congratulations on all of you on losing out but by my calculations for how much you would have made for that valuation. Billions. Probably $30. 10, probably, 10, <laughs> probably 10 to $12 million. So but that's fine. That's fine. More for me. More for me and cubes. Um, okay. So here is my slice. <laughs> it kind of goes along with what we were talking about earlier. This is an initiative I uh, fully and wholeheartedly support. Uh, there has been some discussions about the the city of Columbus, Ohio. It has the the city officials in that town have already vowed to take down a statue of Christopher Columbus, who is the namesake of the Midwestern town, uh, because uh, of his you know. Uh, legacy of essentially racial genocide i, I forget mean, about really, stuff like that just columbus ohio i don't i, yeah. I didn't associate that that was christopher columbus it, 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 it was like george columbus was the first farmer to live there you know sort of a yeah. thing you know? yeah. and, uh, it, it, wow. i mean there's no other you know the, people can do some independent research if they want but there's no other way to describe his legacy he was a monster he was oh, yeah, a pure, he was, yeah. he was evil um so a a citizen has has put up a petition to get the 
the the name of the of the city change from Columbus. And uh, the the petition is actually picking up quite a bit of steam. It already has over 75,000 signatures uh, and they want to get to 150,000 so that hopefully the city officials will will take their request seriously. Does anybody know, can anybody guess what this petition to change the name of Columbus, Ohio? Can you any guesses around the table? I don't even want to guess. I mean, Columbus, Ohio is a big mid-market city. I mean, the Ohio State University is based there. This would be a major thing if they changed their name. Wolverine. They'll change it to Wolverine. So they have, they have, hey, we want to change it and here's our option. Yeah, here's our option. Okay. Here's here's our option. And again, they have 75,000 people on board and growing by the day. I feel like you should first petition just to get it changed before you throw in the name that this you want it to change to. But, but these, people need to know what they're, what they're advocating this for. Solution Don't take some away. Spartan, Spartan, Ohio. That would be dope. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Buckeye, Ohio. Flavortown. Flavortown. Yeah! No! And here is why. This is a voting Let's go. I'm with it. Here, here is why. Here, I'm reading from the change.org p- petition. Uh, addressed to the mayor. Why not name the city Flavortown? Here's the petition. The new name is twofold. For one, it honors Central Ohio's proud heritage as a culinary crossroads and one of the nation's largest test markets for the food industry. Second, <laughs> celebrity chef, uh, Chef Liberty, as they refer to him, Chef Liberty Guy Fieri was born in Columbus. So naming the city in honor of him, he's such a good dude, really, would be superior to its current nomenclature. Change it to Flavortown. Flavortown, USA. It's, That's so gangster. It's going to be so many rappers out of Flavortown. That sounds like an amusing part. Like, you want to go to Flavortown. <laughs> exactly. It's a beautiful day in Flavortown. Yeah, what's the weather like today in Flavortown? I, I, I do support changing the name. And if they, if they if they went with something kind of fun as like a hat tips internet culture, I think that would be a cherry This is a Bodie McBoatface situation. Like, you can't ask the internet for a name suggestion. Now they, they didn't ask. They just said, well, this is what we want to change it to. And if 75,000 people have already said it, just catching some momentum, I think they should. I'd be totally down for uh, changing the name of Columbus. And if they go with something fun like Flavortown, it instantly becomes the coolest city in the world. Like, it would put me, it would put it on the map of like, you know, heard a lot of cool stuff's going in, on in Flavortown. They changed the name to Flavortown. It's got to be a pretty cool city. I mean, they got to they gotta be pretty good nature up the city council the municipal workers seem like they're pretty uh you know clever fun self-aware people why not you know Flavor fort bragg town. i saw that fort bragg south carolina is is actually taking it the city council is actually taking it up to consider changing the city's name because mm. um it was named after obviously a confederate general so yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see how far this this shift in american society goes i mean this mm. is Great. <laughs> yeah. Great. It's but, humongous. But it's I mean, great. how many, I, I think I, again, I didn't even connect that Columbus was named after Christopher Columbus. You know, most American, at least East coast cities are named after cities over in Europe or, you know, England or whatever, New Jersey is named after Jersey. And there's a lot of like, like in different parts of the country, like native American, uh, you know, there's, you know, Chesapeake and, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. well, yeah, a lot I, of, like my parents live in Seminole County for the yeah, Seminole Indians yeah. that were native here and all that kind of stuff. It's interesting. I mean, like, so how much of it is honoring the local heritage and then how much of it is honoring people that we don't want to honor any longer, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the local paper here in central Florida is advocating for 
Florida State to change their uh, stadium name and for Florida to change their basketball arena name because they're racially insensitive or yeah. named after people that were not people you want to name things after. So uh, it's it, it's being talked about. It seems like in every city. So yeah, Flavor Town it is. Let's do it. Flavor Town it is. Oh. Love it. All right. What do you have, Jamie? All right. You know, um, I have a story that just we've something happened a couple of weeks ago that kind of started this um, happening at Liberty University. Do you remember when the basketball player Asia Todd uh, came yeah. out and said that she was going to transfer because of um, racial insensitivity at the leadership level? And now two football players, um, Tavion Land and Kytrell Clark, are also saying that they are transferring because of the same thing, racial yeah. insensitivity at the leadership level and we know liberty university the president is jerry falwell jr who recently had some statements about a mask um there were the tweet a tweet used blackface and kkk imagery to make fun of virginia democratic governor ralph northam so these student athletes are standing up and saying we don't want to be associated with this university anymore. And, you know, also there was a petition that was signed by several former Liberty University um, graduates, some of them professional football players saying, hey, something has to change because when I have that I graduated from Liberty University on my resume, people think things and yeah. it, you're not doing a good job for the university. And so I think Falwell uh tweeted out an apology, but these student athletes are saying I'm not going to play here anymore. And I think that, you know, the question, you know, has been, I was talking with Tyler about it earlier today, just about, you know, what's happening at Liberty on some levels is not new and it's not a surprise. Um, and so why all of a sudden would we see these athletes? And I think personally, it's just, there is a, there's a kind of feeling in the air that this would not be looked down upon them for doing this. If this makes sense, it's like, this is a great time for you to stand up and say, um, I'm go not going to play here because of what's happening. And I'm proud of them for making that choice. I would support all of my kids in making the same choice that they did. Tyler and I were talking about this yesterday. I mean, probably for an hour because I was like, <clears throat> here's my, here's my fundamental question. Cause when it was one basketball player, she, she was a freshman. She was leaving her freshman uh -huh. year. These two football players, one of them was their highest recruit ever. I mean, their top recruit ever. Uh, so now it's getting notable and it's picking up steam and, and like, you know, kind of like the, uh, people jumping off the ship, <laughs> you know, like it's like, I'm just mm. curious how far this is going to go. Number one, number two, I was asking Tyler, I was like, did I miss a story or are there stories going around that I'm unaware of because the insensitivity of leadership of Falwell aligning so hard with Trump, uh, taking, you know, anti-immigrant stances and all the things that Trump advocates for. That's not new. Like you said, right. Jamie, like, right. yeah, She's she was a freshman a year ago. Falwell <laughs> uh -huh. was saying the exact same offensive stuff than now, you know, yeah. so like what happened? But but I mean, the the the, the social climate right now has really emboldened people to, 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 to be able to stand up for, you know, look, I mean, the other thing about Jerry Falwell, 
his Twitter bio says haters will be blocked. That alone, that, oh, that's 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 the behavior of a unit of the largest. That, what better message of the president of the largest Christian university? The first thing they see in his Twitter bio is haters will be blocked. Oh, that sounds like a real uh, Christ like, uh, you know, qualifier for what I'm about to read. I mean, we, we've done this over the years. I mean, he, he uses his Twitter feed not only to instigate, uh, you know, uh, to to do to to say and show in things that are inflammatory and racist but i mean he's there's no other way to say this he he is objectively a liar like we posted a story and this tweet is still up and i actually contacted uh liberty's pr department about this he has a tweet that says love this quote by clint eastwood and it is this is the quote this is a fact well i don't even want to read it it's something very inflammatory about about uh uh immigrants to to the country the thing is clint eastwood never said it like Mm. it is fabricated the Falkirk Institute, his think tank, has tweeted numerous fabricated quotes that don't that that are that are attributed to people that never said them. He, we made him aware that hey, this is a lie, and they keep it up. Yeah. Falkirk and Jerry Falwell are liars. That that's there's no other way to say it. People who publicly lie are liars, and that's what that's and he's unrepentant about it. Like something, it's, that, something that Tyler said yesterday when I was trying to like figure out like. Yes, this societal um, advocacy has shifted. Like the the tone has shifted. So now it's like, yeah. The other thing too is like I was saying because like again a year ago it, he was everything you just referenced happened yeah. before she attended, right? And so it's like, why now? Okay, one thing that Tyler pointed out was think about it. She was a high school kid, highly recruited. She visited this large, beautiful campus. Probably had great athletic facilities, great coaches. You're in high school. You're not mm-hmm. paying attention to the Twitter feed of Jerry Falwell Jr., right? Right. You're not necessarily paying attention to that side of the university. You're getting swept up in the opportunity yeah. to go play athletics at a major school. And so then you get there and all of a sudden the culture of the schools, <laughs> something you're inside every day and you are aware of everything going on with the leadership that you weren't aware of before you attended. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that to me was like, aha, that's the aha moment I had that that makes sense. I've been here a year, no more, you know? Yeah. yeah. And to the coaches and staff, none of these uh, student athletes who have um, entered into the transfer portal and are leaving have said any negative things about their coaches. Mm, um, and yeah. so I think that even cameras, like you talk about, you're recruited by your coaches. Right. Jerry Falwell is not going to right. uh, K. Clark's mom and talking mm-hmm. to him. You know, the coaches are recruiting these families and these right. kids. And so it would be a little bit like you got there. There is um, a former online admission counselor uh, who has left said about this, about um, Jerry Falwell. He said, your actions have shown you really don't care about the black community. And that is sad. You can't say this at Christian university, but then everything that comes out of your mouth is about Trump. And so I think, I mean, this could get me in trouble. And I by no means am comparing Jerry Falwell Jr. with Jeffrey Epstein. Clark, but prime what the edit, because this is going to be the clip that we're going to promote for the show. Okay, go ahead, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> but what we're seeing is this power that someone has, it keeps people around them silent Mm-hmm. so that they don't lose their job, so that they don't go down with the flame. We've seen that in things that have come out with Jeffrey Epstein. And again, I'm not comparing, yeah. don't say that about, you know, Jerry Falwell Jr. and Jeffrey Epstein. But what we are seeing is, wow, all of a sudden people are risking their jobs, they're quitting, they're transferring, and it comes with a cost because they're all of a sudden saying, hey, 
what we see here is not okay. And mm-hmm. kudos to these people who are coming out and saying, because it's yeah. going to cost them something. Mm-hmm. And, and we do want to say, Tyler and I talked about this yesterday. Like it, it is, it is known that Liberty has actually some excellent faculty members and, oh, and coaches of as you reference stuff. They, they, there's some really good. I mean, you hear those stories of that dichotomy from even <clears> students <throat> and former students of like, I had great professors that did not fit the mold of the public perception of the school. And they kind of like feel like outsiders on the inside. And there's a tension even in the culture of the school. But obviously, they don't have a platform the way that the president does. Or they want to be a part of the change. I mean, I've been in situations where you're like, I feel like I'm only here because I want to be a part. I want to see some change and I want to love on these students. And so that, I mean, to give them full credit, the professors that are there and the coaches, that could be some of what they're coming from thinking. Yeah, hopefully. Derek, schools like Liberty, you know, bring in a lot of artists and things like, you know, and and I've I've read some, you know, artists openly kind of be conflicted about whether, you know, about invitations to perform there is do, do you, is that something as an artist who you know plays to a lot of different types of audiences uh, f- from different worldviews and some that are supported by different kinds of leaders from your perspective as an artist you know and as as a black man in America right right argumentative now, rapper argumentative rapper just right what, what what do those conversations look like when when there are invitations to perform at, at places that have you know these sort of you know, complicated leadership structures, but, but, you know, they're, you know, kind of people in the audience that probably need to hear your message. What, what's the thought process like for you sometimes, man? Well, Liberty used to bring in a lot of guys, like a lot of rap guys early on for sure, but they, they kind of stopped. I mean, I remember it was one rapper. I won't, I won't, uh, I won't bring him up, but he, he literally had an event there, but because he started speaking out, they were like, no, you can't come. So I think even just, Jerry has kind of put the stamp on like, yo, we don't want anyone here that isn't, uh, you know, isn't gonna, that that's going to butt against his perspective of white supremacy or whatever. So, I mean, I don't know. I, like for me, it, it sucks because I know some people that have gone to Liberty that love Liberty and, you know, it, it sucks to be like, man, I don't want to go to punish the students. You know, like I don't, I don't want to say I'm not going and then the students miss out. But then at the same time, it's like, man, like, I don't know how I could rap at a school where the president had a blackface mask. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't yeah. know. Like, I don't know if I could do that. It, it would be pretty dehumanized. It's like, how is how much is it worth? You know what I mean? It's yeah. just it's like, yo, hey, I'll, I'll do a show in your city. We just may not do it at Liberty. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of more the perspective for me. Um, just cause I, I feel the same way. Like, man, if, if you're that insensitive and that, and that much of a jerk that even if you think it's a joke at the expense of black people, like, and like, I'm cool. I'll pass on that. So yeah. did you ever, did you ever have an experience at a Christian university where like, it was just a conservative school and not like anything like what we're talking about with follow, but just like, you know, they weren't allowed to dance or anything like that. And so like just stylistically, it was a conflict? Did you ever experience that, or is it not like that no, anymore? No, nah, well, the thing is, when I would do stuff at at like not as colleges, colleges are usually like they're going crazy. It's usually if you do something at like a church that's had this really yeah, conservative yeah. stance, that's yeah. when it gets super duper weird. But usually, the college kids are just happy to have something. They're just like, yeah. yo. 
Let's Dude, go. You I'm going to date myself. So I was at Oral Roberts University in the 90s, right? So we had a student association, had a, a, a concert night on yeah. campus in the, in the big chapel auditorium. And uh, out of Eden, out of Eden came. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. So we're at an out of Eden show. And ORU had an inc- very racially diverse student body. And, yeah. and, uh, and so we're at the out of Eden show. And I'm telling you, we're not allowed to dance or anything at, at ORU at the time. Okay. You had to wear a dress code. We had to wear ties to class. Girls had to wear skirts. It was very conservative. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like that anymore, but it was. Dude, we were at the out of Eden show. There are about four songs into it. And, and crowds up at the front. Crowds moving. We're having a great time. And school administration came and shut down the concert because people oh, were dancing. <laughs> it was like, Dang. oh, okay. <laughs> it was like, I've never seen that before. So, yeah. yeah. No, I was wondering I, if you've yeah. ever experienced that. But churches make sense, like conservative churches. Oh, it's that. crazy. I'm like, why did you bring me to this church? Like, sometimes <laughs> I'm like, you know my music, right? Like, yeah. It's like, you know what I do, but, you know, I, I I'm an know. argumentative rapper. Right. Why are you? (laughs) The church has made me become the argumentative rapper. (laughs) It's usually like the youth pastor brought you in, and then the head pastor gets there and like, "What? What are you doing over here?" That's what you have. Kids are just confused. They're just like, "So can I dance?" Because I really listen to the baby. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. right, But like, I don't want my youth pastor to know I listen to Young Thug and the Baby. So it's kind of like in between. All right. All right. What do you have, Derek? Uh, this one is kind of, kind of really near and dear to my heart. My grandparents are from Mississippi. So my grandfather's from a small town in Mississippi called Utica, Mississippi. And, uh, the Mississippi Baptist Convention, which is a part of the Southern Baptist Convention, is calling for a change to the flag. So if you don't know about the Mississippi flag, it has a Confederate flag in the actual flag, the state flag. So it's pretty, I think that's pretty cool. And it really shows a little progress. I know I was really hard on Southern Baptist a couple, um, a couple episodes ago. And to think that, you know, Mississippi Baptist Convention would be leading the charge for that. I think that's dope. I think that's a great step in her. And that's what we want to see. You know what I mean? Yeah. We posted this on Instagram on Tuesday and, and uh, it showed the flag. And it's yeah. so funny for people who don't know, Mississippi is the last state to have a Confederate symbol on their flag. Oh yeah. And, and you know, they're the rebels <laughs> and they just, you know, and, and, uh, and so this is a big part of the state's heritage and it's a big issue down there, but most people don't realize it. When we showed the flag on Instagram, 90% of the comments were like, that exists. Like, how is that even allowed? For real. And, 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 but you're right. The surprising thing was this, that the Baptist leadership is, we're calling for the change. Normally, the conservative church doesn't speak up about these things. And yeah. their quote, the executive director's quote said, this isn't a political move on our part. This is because this is what Jesus would do. You know, Ooh. and it was like, this is about yeah. a Jesus teaching. And, yeah. and that, good for them for saying yeah. something, standing up. And that's what I love about what's going on right now is like, you know, there are people who are surprising me in the yes. church, you know. And it's like, good, let's, let's keep that going, you know, yeah. and, and good will overcome evil, you know, so yeah. uh, good for Mississippi. Hopefully, yeah. it, hopefully it takes, hopefully they I do change I was thinking earlier when we were talking about white Jesus is that I think it would be really cool if we saw churches make the first move and churches mm-hmm. say, hey, we're now aware and educated. And so we're going to be proactive to changing things within our body. And then we see this story come out this week about the proactiveness from the Mississippi Baptist Convention. And I thought, that's what I want to see more of is not people having to be on the defense. Like, okay, church, 
you got to do something like you got to show up and do something. And then they're having to be all defensive. And what are we going to say? And how are we going to handle this? But this offense, this proactive stuff, I love it because it's saying, hey, we are here and we're in this fight and we don't think this is okay." And we need to hear that from Mm. organizations within the church. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, it's your feedback, your prank stories. Listening to Andrew Apple Pie, <laughs> Apple Pie, Ohio. That's what they should do. Apple Pie. You could re- yeah. Even if even if a city is just named, you know, something like non problematic. Even if they just have like a boring name, change it to Apple Pie sounds pretty great to me. You know? <laughs> Who like, doesn't want to go where there? Are you from Apple yeah. Pie. Andrew yeah. Apple Pie. The song is "I'm So." Okay, I gotta I gotta be honest. The first song and this song, uh, I I stole from. Uh, the Dickinson soundtrack. I don't know if y'all have seen this show on Apple TV plus, but they Haley Steinfeld stars in a 10 episode series called Dickinson. It's the story of Emily Dickinson and in the mid 1800s. Right. And it is the coolest show. It is like done in the period style, but as if they were modern, like modern people, it's Mm. crazy. And the music soundtrack is the dopest soundtrack I've ever heard on a show ever. And I actually would say, go watch Dickinson. I had no interest in Emily Dickinson, but just for the soundtrack and how cool it is, I've never seen anything like it before. Go watch it. I've been binging a lot of shows. I'm not going to lie. Clearly. I forgot forgot about Apple TV Plus. I was like, oh yeah, that's a thing. I forgot about that. Hey, Apple TV Plus, I'll tell you this. They don't have a ton of stuff, but what they put out, Hit, 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 hit. I mean, I'm telling you, like, for quality, quality over quantity is their strategy, and it it's it's working. So go ch- go check out Apple TV Plus. Uh, they didn't pay for that. Okay, it's time for your feedback. <laughs> um, this time for your feedback. Uh, two weeks ago, we got talking about pranks. Uh, something happened in the show that made us talk about pranks, and uh, we ended up asking you guys for your best prank stories. You messaged us on uh twitter at relevant podcast and you hit us up in the you slid into our dms on instagram and told Mm. us your stories there as well relevant magazine um here are a few of our favorites brooke has a next level brother because brooke's brother was only 10 years old when he hatched this little scheme he went to our local duck dunkin donuts and i I guess outside the drive-thru there and put up a sign (laughs) outside outside on the big menu that said our speaker is broken please yell your order as loud as you can (laughs) dude (laughs) 10 years old he is is the goat he is the goat. He just he, is he, the goat. he should just retire from from cranking at that That's point. Great. He, he like it would have been like if There's Jordan no victims. Did, no victims. It, it, was it was like funny. Jordan didn't. It, it was like Jordan didn't come back after the baseball thing, and he yeah. just like walked away, yeah. still in his prime. That's yeah. what that kid should do. Just walk away, kid. <laughs> don't get those three more rings. You don't yeah. need them. Your yeah. legacy is sealed, friend. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Okay, so Caleb said this, and I actually saw this on Twitter and thought I was going to throw up. Okay, so this is, his, this is these are his words. Okay, this is so awful. It said he said so. If you take an oatmeal cream pie and smash it and roll it up, it looks like a turd. Which 
I hate saying that word anyway. So we were going to play a prank on the weird kid Clark, at camp. That's going to be the clip for the promoting the show. It's <laughs> Jamie Ivey saying the word turd. Turd over and over yeah. again. Uh, you know the type who would freak out. So we did this and put it on his pillow. Then my friends. <laughs> oh, man. Then my friends. This is. I am so grossed out. Then my friends. Unknowingly to me. This is. I can't even leave. I'm going to put this on the air. Picked butt hair. Wiped his butt with toilet paper and wiped it on the oatmeal cream pie. Oh. Okay. It smelled terrible. Then they even sprinkled water on it to make it look wet. The kid walks in and is, dis- and is disgusted. And I come in and say, hey, guys, look, it's fake. And take a giant bite out of it. <gasps> then they tell me what they did. And I brush my teeth for an hour. Y'all, I thought I was going to throw a twist. Up. A twist. It's, it's twist. like this scene That's in- a Shyamalan it, it, twist. It, 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 it's, like, <laughs> it's like the scene in Caddyshack. If, they, if it wasn't actually a baby Ruth that they pulled out of the swimming the pool. The prankster yeah. got pranked. Oh, and that is gosh. the most disgusting thing I've oh. seen all week. Oh, we, that's that's scary. You, what, we're, we're done. We're done we, here, guys. We used to, we used to like the top floor in our dorms. Like every other floor had like regular ceilings, but the top floor had like tile ceilings in in rooms, and it, you could actually crawl from room to room in the ceilings. But we would like position wait, wait, alarm. You mean like ceiling tiles, not like yeah, yeah, tile exactly. ceilings? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, with like the so big you could lift tiles. the ceiling tiles and crawl. Yeah. Okay, I got you. But we would occasionally sneak over to someone else's room. But we we kind of knew roughly the position. We put alarm clocks up there, set at really <laughs> weird times. So in the middle of the night, their alarm starts going off right above their head and they're like reaching in the roof all freaking out one time we put like three and they were going off at different times and the last one we covered in peanut butter so he's, oh. the person's finally getting back up at 4 30 like i can't stand it reaches up there reaching for it and, just goes, ah! and you just hear screaming you're like ah. uh yeah the diabolical laugh from the room next door um this one is this one is messed up like this one isn't even funny and the only reason i'm reading it is because i'm pressed impressed that like that a, that an adult human would even would even would go would do something like this this is prank story from josh <laughs> the worst pranker when my sisters and i were little my aunt was babysitting us and she told this elaborate story about how she was our real mother and the woman who we thought was our mother her sister just adopted us for legal reasons this news of course shook my sisters and i uh to the core for the span of the next few hours we grappled with everything we ever believed and then right before my mom got home my aunt was like jk it was awful and brilliant i agree it was awful but who would do that to a child can i give a little public service announcement announcement PSA, it ain't funny to, to joke about being adopted. I got three kids and those kind of jokes are not funny. So, Josh, you can tell your aunt that that's what I said. Yeah. Please, because your aunt sounds like a sociopath to me, Jamie. <laughs> But it's like, you know, when you're little, like somebody like, oh, you don't need, you're probably adopted. Like those jokes, they're actually not funny. Yeah. So there's my two cents on that, Josh and Aunt Becky. we need to get her on you can tell her jamie can i tell you what i did once yes okay so i'm not like jesse you're you seem like well i know this you're prankster like you could 
do all kinds of things. I've only really pulled one prank in my entire life and I'm actually really proud of it. So I'm four years older than my brother. Okay. And so when he was in high school, I'm in college and I was living at home at the time. And listen, we're all grown adults here. We all know women. We all know that women have what we call periods. Okay. Mm -hmm. So don't be weird by what I'm saying. But when you buy a box of tampons, you guys might not know this in every single one, there's like instruction manual, right? Like as if we don't know how to do this now. Right. So, but every box, I took that piece of paper, opened it up all the way. So it's like, here's how to use it. I put it in the top of my brother's backpack. And so when he got to school, he's a high school boy and he opens it up and there is the instruction manual from a box of tampons. It's the best thing I've ever done in my entire that life. We good. still joke about it. That and he was so good. embarrassed. You I, are cool. <laughs> I, ha- I had an idea for a weird prank, and this only works if you're going to move out of the neighborhood soon. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and you don't Most really of yours entail, I need to leave the area ha- immediately after. Yeah. So, so here, here's the idea is like, I set an alarm real low, low, so it's not. There's no way anyone outside of here. But at a real odd time every night, like three thirty four a.m. Right? Yeah. And every night I wake up and I just let out a blood curdling scream the oh same gosh. time every night. Right? And and just and then one day I want as neighbors are out, I sprint out of my house in a bathrobe and just run down the street, run run away with my door wide open, and I don't return for three days. Like that's all. I just want them to be like, "What is happening there?" Like just just psychological. Like that's the kind of like any you know the 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 ring the doorbell and run. That's all fun. But I want them to really be curious about what is transpiring over at this household. Why you know? are you like this? Jesse, this like, is why so are awful. You like this. <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> why not? Absolutely. Hey, right. I will say. I will say this: boredom. It's a lot of boredom. It's just you know. Well, you a, act like my prank is the worst. That is awful. That's good. There's, there's a lot more stories. Uh, well, I guess you can't really go read our Instagram direct messages. So you know, you'll just have to take our word for it. There's a lot more stories. Um, so okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Okay, well, earlier in the show, we got talking about uh, Columbus, Ohio, and how it should be named Flavortown. It got us thinking about other things that should be renamed. Maybe it's cities or maybe other things in our culture that should be renamed. I'm thinking that this question of the week, you know, that we want to hear from you is a constructive one, you know, that you guys can actually look at your areas and go, you know what, here, we should do this and not that, that kind of thing. But off mic, when we were choosing this question of the week, uh, the cast completely decided that, no, this should not be serious at all. It should all be Flavortown-esque. So yeah. <laughs> hit us up and tell us. Either or. Either or. Yeah. Either or. Your yeah, tell us your, your suggestions for other cities or things, big things that should be renamed uh, to make us a better society. More Flavortowns is what we're saying. Hit us up on uh, Instagram at Relevant Magazine. You can hit us up in our direct messages there, or you can reply to us on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, and we will read our favorites next week. All right. Well, many thanks to Johnny Swim for joining us. You can follow them on Instagram at Johnny Swim. You can also check out their songs with Strangers Project wherever you get your music. It's really cool. Hey, and uh, you know, if you if you want to subscribe to cable, check out the new Magnolia channel that'll be launching this fall and they're going to have two shows on it which is really cool wow that's cool very cool okay on that note we'll wrap things up I'm Cameron Strang I'm Jesse Carey I'm Jamie Ivey I'm Derek Miner we will see you next week have a great week everyone 
listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, check out our Relevant Podcast Network, featuring shows like Relevant Daily, Signs of Life, Unedited, and many more launching throughout the year. You see that? He just got some COVID right out of there. Just zapped it up. Relevant Podcast Network.